Hey, I'd like to pray for us too before we get going. Father, uh, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray today that your power would be made perfect in, in my weakness. I pray that you'd speak. I want to say what you want me to say this morning, nothing more, nothing less. Prepare our hearts to celebrate your coming, to celebrate God with us. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you want to say to your bride today. Pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. The great theologian, Mike Tyson, once said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I want you to think back to the beginning of 2020 and how high people's expectations were. Like at the beginning of this year, people were talking about, man, this is going to be my year. I'm going to lose some weight, you know. I'm going I'm to start a new business. I'm going to save some money. And then, boom, COVID-19 right hook directly to the jaw. And here we are still stumbling around. Uh, rattled, trying to figure out what we're supposed to do next. You know, I used to think that I wanted to be a boxer until I met a guy who really wanted to be a boxer. When uh, I was in college, uh, I boxed at Golden Gloves for about a year, and uh, I wasn't very good. I had fast hands but slow feet. Um, but I still remember the first time I took a significant punch to the face. And uh, gloves or not, when you, take a, when you get hit in the face, it sends a shock wave down your whole body. I mean, it, it'll make your eyes water, make your ears ring, makes your toes tremble. I don't know about y'all, but for me, that's what 2020 has felt like. It's like collectively, we have all taken a hit. Now, how are we going to respond? On December 7th, the polling group Gallup put out a study talking about uh, the mental health of Americans. And this probably comes as no surprise to you and certainly confirmed my own suspicions that the year 2020 hasn't been a great year for the mental health of the American people. You know, this year, it didn't matter if you were rich or poor, black or white, male or female, Republican or Democrat, all of those groups showed a significant increase in mental health issues in 2020. I don't have to tell you all this. We all know that this year has been uh, mentally and emotionally trying. Now, according to this study, and maybe some of you saw it, th there's only one group of people doing better mentally in 2020 than they were in 2019. Only one group of people who showed mental progress. Can you guess who it is? It was regular church attenders. Regular church attenders. Committed Christians. The only people who showed mental health progress from 2019, 2020, are people who continued to go to church or participate in church week in and week out. Now, isn't that interesting? I mean, I found myself wondering, well, what, I mean, why do y'all think that is? Uh, I think it's because we have Jesus and we have each other. And we know how to take a punch. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying when we get hit, we experience the same side effects everybody else experiences. You know, when we take a shot to the face, ears ring, eyes water, toes tremble. We get rattled just like the rest of the world gets rattled. But what I am saying in the words of the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is this. We can be afflicted in every way, but we won't be crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. 
struck down, but not destroyed, persecuted, but not forsaken. Why? Because we are always carrying in our bodies the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be made manifest in us. Paul says the reason that we as believers can continue to show progress even in the midst of storms, the reason that we are able to remain hopeful in a world that is becoming increasingly hopeless is because we have the story of Christ in us. We have Christ in us. And the Holy Spirit won't let us forget that Jesus came for us and he died for us and now he is alive in us. And because of that, we have in our hearts this resurrection power that lets us know that death and disease will never get the last word. That lets us know that darkness is always only temporary. Let's us know that even when we get our lights knocked out, the light of Christ will never go out. Don't get me wrong, church. We're going to take some hits, and sometimes we will get rattled just like the rest of the world. But we know how to take a punch. If the gospel's taught us anything, if Jesus has taught us anything, if Paul's taught us anything, it's how to take a punch. Turn with me now to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read the Christmas story together. Luke chapter 2. I have three observations that I'm going to make about this text. Luke 2, 1 through 21, this is how it reads. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy to be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Three observations I want to make about this text this morning, church, and this is observation number one. Jesus didn't have to come. Jesus didn't have to come. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, he was doing pretty good in heaven already. His position was secure. The throne was his, the praise was his, the glory was his. Jesus is the only person who chose of his own accord 
to be born into this broken world. Church, I want you to imagine with me for a moment what the world would look like if Jesus never came. I mean, how, how would the world be different? More particularly, how would your life be different? I'm going to ask my friend Lisa, if she would, to put uh, my phone number up here on, on the screens on the back. Some of you probably already have it, but that's my number. And I would love it if you would just take a, a moment and shoot me a brief text and tell me how your life would be different if you never met Jesus or if Jesus never came. And I want to share some of those uh, with you all later in, the, in uh, the service, and I won't use anybody's name, but that's the question. How would your life be different if you never met Jesus or he never came? I can tell you all, from my perspective, if there was no Jesus, there would be no hope, no grace, no peace, no Christian church, no redemption stories, no agape love, no light shining in the darkness, no forgiveness of sin, no second chances, no way to heaven, no access to God, no resurrection from the dead, no manger, no freedom, no rescuer. Church, if Jesus never came, we would still be in chains. We would be drowning in the depths of our own depravity. And I know some of you are like, okay, Brock, you know, that's a pretty, you're taking us to a pretty dark place five days before Christmas, right? I mean, you just read the Christmas story, come on, pull it together. Well, let, let me explain to you why I think that this is a, a hopeful uh, activity, a useful activity for us to do this time of year. And here it is. You know, I've been married for a little bit more than 18 years. And in uh, that time, uh, I don't know, in, in the time that I've been married, I don't think that I have ever bought toothpaste, toothbrushes, shampoo, or soap. In the last 18 years, I, I maybe have washed 10 loads of laundry total. I'm not proud of it, okay? But I'm just telling you the truth. Maybe, maybe 10 loads of laundry. I've tried, I've got 16-year-old twin daughters. I've tried to fix their hair a total of maybe three times, and it was always when they were little girls, and it was disastrous every single time. And the only reason I share that with you is because at our house, there are things that I do to make our house go, and there are things that my wife does. And if I ever find myself taking Bethany for granted, that's my wife's name, all I have to do is take a step back and think about how dark and difficult my world would be if she wasn't in it. Once I do that, that becomes uh, uh, something shifts in my heart towards gratitude. I just take a step back and I think about all that she is and I think about all that she does. For me, that becomes a great catalyst for gratitude and love and appreciation. Church, I believe the same thing happens when we imagine a world without Christ. When we think about how dark and difficult our world would be had he never come. I think something shifts in our heart towards gratitude. I think when we think about all that Jesus is, all that he has done, and all that he is going to continue to do, we can't help but be grateful. We can't help but celebrate. We can't help but worship. My first observation this morning is Jesus didn't have to come, but he did. And I thank God that he did. Jesus didn't have to come, but he did. Observation number two, here it is. Our lives are temporary 
Jesus' lot is eternal. Our lives are temporary. Jesus' lot is eternal. So a couple of weeks ago, I was here setting up on a Saturday morning, and I was going back and forth into uh, our storage room. It's in a closet just behind these curtains, and I was getting things and setting them up and stuff like that, because that's what you do at set up, you know, setting things up. But uh, anyway, I am walking back and forth into the closet, and I look down, and I see uh, this box uh, in the corner. And when I see this box and I see the contents that are in this box, it gave me a great deal of hope. Now, let me explain to you what, what's in here, okay? Every year, when the Christmas season rolls around, we do Advent at Wildstone. We, uh, my wife will go sometime in November, and she goes to Hobby Lobby, and she'll buy a new set of Advent candles for us, and she always buys a, a fresh lighter. That way we know whoever stands up here to light the candle, they're going to have a lighter that works, right? We do this every single year. The contents of this box, what's in here is, this is five years' worth of old Advent lighters and five years worth of half-used Advent candles, right? And the reason I got excited when I saw them is because for me, this became a picture of God's faithfulness. I realized when I saw the contents of this box that no matter what this world throws at us, the light of God is going to continue to shine. Church, we lit the Christ candle in 2016. It's in here. And we lit it in 2017, and we lit it in 2018, and we lit it in 2019, and Kobe and Shana just lit it in 2020, and unless the Lord chooses to come back between now and December next year, we'll light it again, no matter the state of the world. And if I'm not around to do it, one of y'all better make sure that it gets done. Wars come and go, Jesus' light shines. Governments rise and fall, Jesus' light shines. People get sick, we lose people that we love. Jesus' light shines. And I know some of you are like, well, Brock, you don't know how difficult this year has been for me. Like, if you knew how hard that the year had been for me, I don't think you would be, be, you know, sound so optimistic. I don't think you would be so firm, be so crass in, in, in your standing. Well, let me tell you this. In uh, the last three weeks, there are seven people total in my family, me and my wife, and five kids, the last three weeks, all seven of us tested positive for COVID. I'm talking about we went seven for seven. We're batting a thousand, right? This was Major League Baseball. We'd be doing pretty good. Bethany tested positive first. Then me and Langston and Riggs tested positive. Then Sophia and Deacon tested positive uh, a few days later. And uh, we were sick. I mean, the, the kids handled it much better than we did, uh, the adults. But Bethany had... Uh, flu-like symptoms for several days. And for me, it was just a really hard couple of days. I, I, had, I had one day when my chest, I had a piercing pain in my chest to struggle to breathe a, a little bit. And probably the worst side effect that I experienced was I had one day where it was like my bones hurt from the inside. Like they just ached. And so I had a couple of days where uh, I just went and got the sleeping bag that I camped with. And I just you know, tucked up in and zipped the sleeping bag up and just stayed like that for a couple of days. Like it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty rough week. And so I'm here to tell you, I know that the coronavirus is serious, but I also know God is still good. Christmas is still here. And Jesus is still the only thing that matters. Period. Some things are always going to change. They just are. Our circumstances are consistently going to change some things never will. Our Savior will never change. That light is always going to continue to shine. 
And as long as we got breath in our lungs, we're going to make sure that he gets lit in honor of his coming. Observation number two, our lives are temporary. Jesus' light is eternal. And I think the sooner we can get that into our heads, the better off it will be for our mental health. The sooner we can come to terms with the fact that our lives are temporary, Jesus' light is eternal. Observation number three, when the world was at its very worst, heaven sent its very best. When the world was at its very worst, heaven sent its very best. Just listen to me. Everything God does, he does on purpose. Right after Jesus was born and placed in the manger, he sent a birth announcement by way of an angel to shepherds watching over their flocks in the field. Now, have you ever wondered why shepherds? Like, why would he want the shepherds to know that the Messiah had come? Well, think about it. In Jewish culture, it was the shepherd's job to take care of the sacrificial animals until it was their time for sacrifice. Like, they're the ones that took care of the goats and the sheep and the lambs. And if you were going to the temple and you wanted to offer a sacrifice for your past sin, you would go to the shepherd and you would purchase a lamb so that you would then be able to take that to the temple and sacrifice it on the Day of Atonement. They had, shepherds had a very holy job. They were watching over the sacrificial animals until the Day of Atonement. I think that God sent this message to the shepherds because he wanted them to go and protect his son. I think he was trying to send in Bethlehem's version of the secret service. It was his desire that these shepherds would go and they would watch over his baby boy until it was his day of sacrifice. They were the caretakers of the sacrificial lambs and Jesus was the lamb of God sent from heaven to take away the sins of the world. It would make sense, and I love that the Bible tells us that the shepherds left their fields in haste to get there quickly. I love this idea that they just left all their animals in the fields because they were no longer necessary. Their sacrifices were no longer necessary. They had no more reason to protect those animals who could only provide temporary forgiveness. Now they were going to go protect the baby boy who could provide eternal forgiveness. Now they were going to watch over him until it was his time of sacrifice. I think God sent the shepherds to protect our protector. We're talking here, folks, about the king and the king's men. John 3.16, which was read earlier in the morning, says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Church, I think I'm a pretty good pastor, okay? Uh, I don't mind saying it. Deal with it. I think I'm a pretty good pastor. I'm not a great pastor. Okay, like I don't, all, all the skills, there's a lot of skills, there's a lot of things, there are a lot of pastors way better than me. Mark Zimmerman, ooh, little shout out. There are, uh, there are a lot of pastors who, who are better than I am. I, I don't, but I think I'm a pretty good one. And the, and the reason I can say up here in front of you that I think I'm a pretty good pastor is because I believe that God has given me a pastoral heart. And, and, and all I mean by that is I've, I've served two churches in the last 18 years, and at both places, I loved everybody in them. And that's not me. I don't, I don't love people. But God just supernatural. God just gives me a love for you. Like, I love all of you, even the weird ones of you I love, okay? Even the weirdos. I, 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 I love you all. But I'll tell you this. I wouldn't trade Langston for you. I wouldn't trade Riggs for you. I wouldn't trade Deacon for you. 
I got three sons and I still wouldn't offer any of them as a sacrifice for your protection. But the text we just read said God sent his one and only son into the world because he deemed you worth saving. Worth saving. Worth living for. Worth dying for. Jesus didn't have to come into the world, but he did. Our lives are temporary. Jesus' life is eternal. And when the world was at its very worst, heaven sent its very best. Church, this is what Christmas is about. This is the Christ story. These are the truths that we need to allow to dwell in our hearts. We carry the story of Christ in us. Ultimately, we carry Christ in us. And because of that, we know death and disease will never get the last word. We know that darkness is always only temporary. And we know that even when we get our lights knocked out, the light of Christ will never go out. Now I'm going to share with you hopefully some of the things that y'all text me if anybody sent me anything. Let's read now. The uh, Tennessee Department of Health just called me, by the way, okay? I got cleared on Friday, so I don't want to get, no, don't, nobody send me any angry emails or anything like that. I got the, okay, you can tell by the fresh haircut. I got a haircut on Friday. First day I was allowed out of my house. So everybody, just so we're clear, that's the case. But yeah, Tennessee Department of Health just texted. All right, this is how you all responded to the question, how would your world be different if Jesus never came? How would your life be different if you never met Jesus? Here they are. I wouldn't know what real and true life really was in Christ alone. If Jesus never came, my life would be full of fears and insecurities. As a single mom, I'm often afraid, but with Jesus, I know I'm not alone and I'm truly loved by him. My life would be utterly meaningless. I would be condemned, enslaved to my flesh, and drowned in my sins. If Christ had never came, there'd be a lot of sin in life. And without the forgiveness of the Lord, things that are overwhelming and consuming it for a person. I have no love for others, not in my family. I'd be lost. If Jesus hadn't come into this world, we'd be lost in darkness and without hope and without love. Darkness, empty, dead. I would have no basis for absolute truth. If Jesus didn't come, I would be enchained by the law of Moses, which I or nobody can ever utterly live by. But because he came, all I have to do is believe in him and get saved. I would still be lost, a drug-addicted alcoholic without a family and wouldn't know what true love is without King Jesus. Without Jesus, my life wouldn't have been spared with the decisions I've made and been given a second chance with life. Without Jesus, I wouldn't know what balance is. I wouldn't be rescued from my anxiety and wouldn't have peace. I'd still be sick and in pain with no reassurance that I'd be taken care of. No Jesus would mean I would be a self-centered, constantly spinning hamster in a hamster wheel in search of meaning, mess of a person. I'd be lost, desperate, empty. I was lost, so I believe I'd already be dead if Jesus never came and my kids wouldn't exist. Without Jesus, I would have no peace, no joy, no hope, no purpose, no reason to continue living. I would have no hope for the future, no expectancy of anything better. The sorrow would be bigger since we won't see our loved ones that have been gone. I'd be full of brokenness. I'd be alone, dark, hopeless, sinking into myself, lost. I'd have no hope, no reason to get up each day. I would have so many problems, it would be unbearable. I would be hopeless. Church, this is what I want us to do as we move into this Christmas week. I want you to take that to heart and imagine what I already talked about, how dark and difficult this world would be had Jesus come. And then I want you to remind yourself every morning when you wake up, he did. He did. He did. 
He came. And for you, I'm praying that something would shift on your inside, that that thought would be a great catalyst for love and gratitude and appreciation, and that you would spend this week worshiping the God who came, who is with us. Pray for me, and we're done. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and God, I'm so grateful for all those testimonies. That's crazy. The way that you moved in people's life, the redemption stories, uh, everybody who knows you has one. It's a beautiful thing about being a part of your family. Everybody who knows you has a redemption story, a time we were headed one direction, and something shifted, you changed it, and now we're on a new path. We're following a new way. God, I'm grateful that you sent your son into our world. I'm confident that I didn't deserve it but I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you sent your son into our world and that we get to celebrate this week that he came, that he lived, and that he died for our rescue. God, thank you for the resurrection power that gives us hope. Thank you for teaching us through, uh, through the words of Christ, the red letters and the words of Paul, how to take a punch. Well, I know we sometimes get rattled, but there's something about knowing that you're with us and that you're on our side and you're protecting us. It gives us confidence to face the day. We love you. I'm grateful for everybody who shared a part of their story in that text message. And I pray that you would continue to move, that there would be a significant shift in their hearts towards gratitude and love because they would see all that they wouldn't have if you didn't come, that they would embrace all that they do have because you did. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.